Hello there, listeners, and welcome to a special episode of Blessed Are the Binary Breakers. I'm your host, Avery Smith, and I come to you a bit earlier than usual. The thing is, something big is happening in the United Methodist Church right now, and it's got a lot of LGBT plus Methodists and their allies worried. Starting very soon, on February 23rd and going through the 26th, is a special session of the UMC General Conference. The outcome of this conference will determine things like whether all LGBT folks can be married and ordained within this denomination. I was lucky enough to get a lifelong Methodist onto this show to tell me, and by extension all of you, just what is at stake here. Adam Richards is a non-binary Methodist studying in Texas. They already work at a church there and are hoping to attend seminary next year. It amazed me how much I could hear the Spirit of God in Adam's story as they told me about their worries and fears, but also their great love for the UMC, and told me their reasons for staying in a denomination that sometimes hurts them. It is my hope that hearing a personal story from a queer Methodist who will be very directly affected by the outcomes of the UMC General Conference might help people understand how vital it is to let us tell our stories. When you hear real-life experiences, it should help make real for you the fact that actual people, people whom God loves and calls to participate in the church in various ways, are going to be impacted by this conference and all decisions in all denominations, all faith communities regarding sexuality and gender identity. And I just want to give you a heads up. There will be swearing in this episode. I think Adam has every right to be swearing as they talk about this thing that is going to have a huge impact on their life, their ordination, their career, the lives of people they care about. So please join me in learning a bit more about this general conference. So for with, I'm not going to bore with all the bureaucratic details other than to mention the fact that the UMC loves bureaucracy. Um <laughs> But we have like a legislative body that usually meets every four years uh, called General Conference. And it's literally two weeks, all the Methodists, like delegates from all the Methodist like uh, annual conferences in the world um, go and meet and basically make all of the decisions they need to make for the next four years. You know, real good system. Um, We do it in two weeks. Um, Oh, wow. Yours is only every four years. I'm Presbyterian. We do it every two years. (laughs) That's smarter, honestly. Um, but so what's basically been happening is like within the Book of Discipline, um, there's these restrictions that say there's things there's like one paragraph that says like clergy can't perform same gender weddings. There's another one that says like clergy can't be like LGB. The, the T is complicated. I can get into that a little bit. <laughs> okay, That's, that's yeah. a fun time. That's, that's a whole separate thing. But um, and then you have um there's also like the a line in there that says like homosexuality is like fundamentally incompatible with like christianity or yeah. something like that like really gross um yeah. and, and is, the, is the language for being lgb is it like you can't be a practicing 
Yes. Be, be yeah, that's what it used to be in PCUSA, my denomination. Right. And just the wording is ridiculous. Oh, that, I'll do like a little beer, like a side there. Practicing means very different things depending mm -hmm. on your district superintendent, which is like another level of like, method. Mm -hmm. so they have to approve you to be ordained, certify you as a candidate for ministry. Mm -hmm. And some people like practicing, like for some like district superintendents, practicing means um, like you identify as yeah. like OGP or even T sometimes, like some, yeah. because a lot of people will just lump that in there because they don't mm -hmm. know what they're talking about. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes it means it's like, oh, well, only if you're like dating someone. So if you're like single, right. you can like be gay, but that's still fine. Um, you just can't like, you just have to be single for the rest of your life. Fine, yeah. air quotes. Um, and then there's another layer on top of that where like sometimes it'll be like, oh, you can be like, you can do basically whatever you want as long as you're not having gay sex. Right. Like, yes. or like same gender sexual relations, which is just kind of like that actually... Uh, M. Barclay, who's a non-binary yeah. minister, yeah, yeah, um, uh, they talked about this um, in an interview they did, where they had um, when they were trying to get ordained in the Central Texas Conference, which is really conservative, um, mm -hmm. and they or there was like a discussion with like four hundred clergy, um, oh. were all like having this debate, trying to determine whether they had ever had sex with their partner. Oh my gosh. Which is just like that's so invasive, right? Like I would say this is someone who's been a lifelong Methodist. Even I would have been like, "Oh yeah, fuck this, I'm out." Like yeah. I'm like, yeah. They, I like, you know, the fact that they went on to get like, you know, they went moved to another conference uh, up mm -hmm. in Illinois and they got ordained up there. You know, the fact that they were right. still willing to stick with the church really is a testament, really, just to the resilience of like LGBTQ plus people of faith, mm -hmm. like. You know, just like that's like, you know, having the, just heaps of spiritual abuse yeah. just levied on you. But then like, you know, still being like this, this is not the church. Like, yeah. you know, the word of God is not like this. And you just feel like you have to keep going. Um, yeah. And I like I don't fault obviously don't fault people who feel like they need to leave the church. Like I understand. Mm -hmm. But kind of hopping back to the general conference thing, because I realized I never finished that thought. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's again, there's layers to this. So it gets kind of mm -hmm. complicated to talk about. Um, so basically, um, general conference meets every four years, legislative making body, and um, every four years, the, the language that was put in, the first like anti-LGBTQ plus language was put in in 1972, which okay. is four years after the United Methodist Church like reunified all the Methodist denominations that had split as a result of segregation. Mm. So like already we go and do basically the same shit and are already fucking up already mm -hmm. um so that was really cool um <laughs> clearly learned nothing from the previous hundred years of <laughs> discriminating against people and so like every four years it's basically been like a massive clusterfuck like at general conference because there's all these competing petitions from like you know progressive ministers who like want to get rid of this language and then there's like you know really conservative like you know um delegates who like want to like really crack down on LGBTQ plus people in the church and the people who support them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just this back and forth. And as a result, like basically nothing gets done because all of the legislating is focused on that. And yeah. then there's no progress made on that. So things really came to a head in 2016, um, which was the last general conference where the denomination almost went 
through a um, chaotic schism. Um, yeah. Like it all, it almost just fell apart. Like almost yeah. completely fell apart. Like not like an like you know orderly division of property. It was just about to be like you know all right, everyone's out. Like this is this is done. Um, like kind of deal. At the last minute, the bishops um, stepped in and were basically like, okay, we're going to table everything like LGBTQ plus related at this conference. Mm-hmm. And we're going to host a special general conference three years from now, um, mm-hmm. because I'm sure that extra year is, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, you're going to host this like three years from now. And they eventually, um, they also went and developed like you know plans for the denomination going forward um and the three main plans are um there's the traditionalist plan which is basically a status quo but even harsher enforcement of the rules there's the um connectional conference plan which is basically like separate denominations but under one like kind of global umbrella um Mm -hmm. theoretically sharing resources and the the plan that was endorsed by the Council of Bishops, which is the one church plan, which would allow churches to decide whether they can like marry LGBTQ or perform same gender marriages um, mm-hmm. and would remove the language from the Book of Discipline opposing like, you know, the, the incompatibility language yeah. and would allow for um, the annual conferences to decide whether they um, will ordain LGBTQ plus people. I think that's what PCUSA ended up doing. We're one denomination where individual sessions and presbyteries make the decision. Yeah, and so for for context, it is February 16th right now. Is this being recorded? Mm-hmm. Um, and conference, I believe, is the 23rd through the 26th. It's really soon after this, and no one has any idea what's going to There's this splinter group called the Wesleyan Covenant Association who's basically opposed to... Any plan that would pass that even like that gives an inch to like us as queer people, basically, uh-huh. um, that's like that. That they just said we're going to leave the church and we're going to do everything in power and our power to basically fuck over the oh, denomination yeah. <laughs> by like great. taking like money and stuff as well. Um, oh, great! You know, because it's because it's very you know very Christian thing to do. <laughs> you know, you know it's that's not motivated by spite and hatred at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's that, um, and but no one really knows what plan's going to pass, or if they do nothing, um, that's also an option, which would oh, be yep. fucked up in and of itself. Yep. Um, basically, there's like real chance that like a lot of every church is basically have to take a vote on whether they like remain in the UMC. Like, well, first off, it's just going to kill a lot of churches. Like, if you're like my the church I work at and is like you know has been declining in membership since the seventies. And only has a worship, like has 200 members and worships like 70 on a good Sunday. And, you know, you're still kind of working through this as a congregation. Like I'm out for at least as like, like, as like bisexual to that congregation. But they don't know. I don't know if they know anything about trans stuff. Um, (laughs) But it's really just kind of like, I don't want to deal with this right now. um, (laughs) Kind of thing. But like, and everyone's been super nice to me, but it's just kind of one of those things. It's like, it's the mostly older white congregation. I don't know what's going to happen there. Or yeah. like, and having to like watch that happen. And again, with this whole process, n- have no say in it, basically, um, but have to face all of the consequences is right. exhausting. <laughs>
So it's like it determines like every like my entire like future because it's like, am I going to be able to get ordained in this church and be able to become a commissioned candidate and be able to access scholarships because of that? Like, can I can I continue working at the church I work at? Like, you know, because I wouldn't want to work at a church that decides the Wesleyan Covenant Association's all that. Like, that's mm-hmm. horrifying. People like people like me are the ones who like have to deal with all the consequences of this. If like the one church plan like passes like the the conservatives in the church they don't lose anything it's just this seems like the sheer thought of having to share ministry space with mm-hmm. where people just upsets them that much yeah. um it's really frustrating and annoying and it, it again it makes me wonder like why am i here like mm-hmm. you know is that kind of like why am i here that's a, again that's just a question i've been thinking about a lot and I, they kind of like boil it down to like a few things um one i'm not doing anything wrong it's, it's the other people who have the problem like mm-hmm. i i have done nothing wrong so like i don't deserve this treatment um two i'm a wesleyan like so i can't i can't just like pop denominations yeah. <laughs> like, you, people, you like the theology right yeah. like that's what people tell me and they're like why don't you join like the Lutheran church or why don't you join like PCUSA and I'm like no disrespect to you but like I'm not a Calvinist <laughs> right oh believe me I am not a Calvinist either the other things are like you know I've given my whole life to the church I've been like I've done the whole mm-hmm. youth group thing I have seven years in choir um mm-hmm. help like help like a campus ministry like grow um mm-hmm. I worked I've worked for say two churches at this point, um, and and one like Methodist affiliated internship. You you can't take that away from me. Like I've mm-hmm. I've you know I've like you know put my put my head on the line here. Like I've kind of like you know paid my dues. Like you know, and I think the last thing really was um, like really it's it's for like the younger people in the church. Um, yeah. A couple examples that come to mind immediately were. Um, both at our like at Arapahoe and at Chapel Hill, I usually like you know I'm I'm pretty open. Um, I oftentimes like wear like super duper crew themed shirts and stuff. <laughs> I've had like you know younger like people like come up to me and they're like, oh my god, like you know like your shirt's so cool or like you know <laughs> I'm really glad like you work at this church and you're gay. Like that's so awesome. Yeah. Like you know and like that's like really. That's the part of this that, like, really, like, kind of keeps me here, because it's like, you know, those people have hope now. Like, mm-hmm. they see someone who is active and part of the faith and is also living into their identity. And that's something I didn't have when I was little. Yes. Like, I had no role models there. And, you know, if I can be that, then it's worth it. Yes, I am so with you there. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think that's just kind of, like, that's kind of like the big overview of like general conference related stuff. Other than um, there's a couple more things I want to mention is one, most churches have no idea that this is coming, at least congregationally. So that's going to be a big yeah. surprise yeah. Um, because the whole denomination has kind of wanted to push this to the side for a long time and like prop up this facade of unity. Mm. And so, you know, churches just wouldn't, talk about it and so Uh these issues are just kind of left to fester like on top of that like because we haven't like figured out like the same gender marriage thing like trans stuff is not even a discussion that gets had 
Yeah, you mentioned that before, that there's a difference. Most churches, like even like a lot of progressive churches, Methodist churches, like self-identified progressive, are like really kind of 90s progressive. Like oh they're my like, gosh, yes. Yeah, they're kind of like all about like gay people, but like it, they're not they're not necessarily like hostile towards trans people. They're just like, I, I have no clue what you're talking yeah. about. Like the church I interned at over the summer, um, this past summer, um, which I, I will name drop because they are genuinely great. Like they are great wow. people. They're willing to learn. Like they are just awesome people. I love that internship. And I don't mean this as like, you know, like, you know, a swipe at them. It's Oklahoma United Methodist in the neighborhood in Dallas. Go there. They're really okay. cool. Your pastor like came up to me and she was like, I need you to explain like trans stuff to me. Because like mm-hmm. this is not something that I have like ever been exposed to. And I really want to like do right by this community. My congregation, like, you know, there are like gay men here. This is like a direct quote from one of the congregants. It's like, you know, I didn't figure out what transgender was until like last year. And that was a conversation yeah. I had. That's a conversation I had like this year. um and it's an older congregation and Mm -hmm. so but like that's kind of like but that's where like a lot of like the churches are at yep and sometimes they'll like they'll know some stuff about trans stuff but not anything about specifically non-binary gender queer stuff right like yeah and that's been like that especially has been like an education opportunity um Mm -hmm. you know and just like making sure like pronoun usage is correct um there was a uh um pastor at my home church um which is Rapaho. um i mentioned i had to mention an email of like hey like because they did a whole like they mentioned me in like the context of the sermon which was it was really beautiful i don't know if it's recorded it was really beautiful um but uh-huh. they used the wrong pronouns on accident oh. and i was yeah. like hey you forgot my pronouns and they're like oh my god i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and it's just like you know but like and you know i'm you know Maybe it's just I have low standards or something, but like, like the attention's there, and that's really what matters to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And it's like it's not these people's fault necessarily because they've been fighting another fight. Like they're stuck mm. on like this is the thing that's like all consuming. Um. And it yes. consumes all church debate. Like, and, and it's just it it's silly and it's exhausting. And I like finding like trans affirming explicitly trans affirming stuff or like ministry mm. super hard like oh, yeah. yeah um um also the tra- i just want again i want to plug this because it's great um the same church i interned at oakland um they're actually doing a uh clothing swap i believe it's on march yeah it's march 2nd they're doing a um clothing swap uh like a trans focused oh, clothing swap um that sounds so fun yeah oh they already did one um i uh, not to brag, but it was my idea. <laughs> no, it's an awesome uh, idea. <laughs> um, well, because like they run a um, there's there's a large homeless population there, um, and they run a uh, like clothing closet out of the church, and they're always like looking for items. So it's like this is a great way to like one reach out to the trans community and two bring in items like because like anything that gets like you know is left over just gets donated. So. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to both like, and you, you're just, you're literally clothing so many people as a result of this. Yeah. And yeah. like, that's so awesome. Like, that's so cool. You know, it's happening March 2nd. I think it's from 11 to 4. And if you're in the DFW area, totally go there. You can meet me there and you'll meet a lot yeah. of really cool people there. <laughs> um, so, one of the things that like really frustrates me on the side about this um, 
kind of going back to the Methodist thing. Um, no, we bounced around a lot. Um, but most of the discussions I see taking place, even like on progressive angles, um, mm-hmm. is about the church property. Because there's a trust clause that like you can't leave the UMC with your own property if you decide to leave. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and like all of this stuff about like, you know, queer affirmation it seems seemingly has been like reduced down to that. And it's just like, how about instead we talk about like, you know, the youth suicide rate? How about we yeah. talk about the fact that like 30% of LGBTQ plus people like, you know, use marijuana on a regular basis, which is triple the rate of the standard population. Not that that's like wrong or anything, but like, you know. It's a problem if they're doing it, like, like if they're doing it because they feel sort of like they have no other outlet. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, there's so many of these things that are clearly the fault of the church. And like, you know, those yeah. are not the stories that get told at general conference. It's always a talked about in Methodist circles, like this abstract thing. And it's mm-hmm. just like, I want to let me grab people and like shake them by the shoulders. And I'm like, I'm fucking right here. Like, it's yeah. fuck the fucking property. That doesn't matter. Yeah. That's capitalist yeah. fucking bullshit. What are yeah, you we're doing? Talking about people. We're talking yeah. about real people who are facing consequences. People who have no voices in the church because they can't be in leadership. Right. Like, you know, yeah. like, just don't have like the opportunity to like even get this stuff. And like, you know, and, mm-hmm. the, and the really frustrating thing, like I expect that from like, you know, non-affirming people. Like that makes sense mm-hmm. because a lot of them like just had to dehumanize us out of habit at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And we're, we are considered a theological problem because our identities are not considered real. Um, but it, it's really frustrating when like progressives buy into these argumentative frames because like mm-hmm. you're automatically conceding when you buy into like that kind of frame you're automatically basically saying yeah you're right but like which um, is just like kind of roundabout like queer phobia honestly like yeah uh, and more well-meaning but still very problematic right and yeah. like and again like it's really hard to find good allies in a Methodist context because they don't have access to, they don't have like the kind of networks of like LGBTQ plus people to learn from or the access to the theology that could help them. A lot of times Mm -hmm. you're forced into these frames without even realizing. Um, And that, and again, it's just harm on top of harm on top of harm. But yeah, the property thing is also like really fucked up just in general because, you know, if there's any consequences to this, it falls on us. Like, cause we either like lose our spaces or we, like we lose our spaces. We lose our like, you know, path forward as ministers. We lose our like whole church, like yeah. as a denomination, um, we lose these social networks and it's just, you know, and like, that's, that's such bullshit. This is theological yeah. fucking bullshit. I really wish I could take like, every delegate who is considering like voting for the traditionalist plan and just be like, you know, just live in my shoes for a day and have to yeah. deal with just the stress of this for a day. Just mm-hmm. this. Like, cause then you, I think people, I feel like I'd hope people would understand then why this is a problem and why what is happening is causing harm. Um, yeah. If your side, our side loses then we lose real 
practical things, livelihood and jobs and church. Whereas if the other side loses, they lost a theological debate. Right. Well, because like they also like, again, a lot of this is motivated by like active bigotry. And like there's definitely plenty of people on that side um, who see this and see the destruction of progressive spaces as doing the work of God because they see us as false Mm -hmm. teachers. Um, And so it's just kind of like, it's not enough to just merely split. It's like, no, we have to defend the word of God and destroy these people, which like a lot of this can lead to like literally genocidal thoughts. Um, This, there was a general conference a few years ago. um, Like we, we have like a large, a lot of the overseas delegation is very conservative. Obviously like not everyone, not every United Methodist who like lives overseas is like super conservative bigoted and people do a lot mm-hmm. of the really racist shit towards the africa delegation in particular um because like they're seen as the problem delegation and i'm like yeah um a lot of the theology that led to like the poor theology over there was started over here mm-hmm. um, by these yeah. like you know fundamentalist megachurches so um how about you focus on them um because yeah. they're the ones really causing the problem organizing things like the wesley wesleyan covenant association but there's this one delegate um my only mention was overseas because they, they were speaking through an interpreter um they're speaking through an interpreter and they it was it was one of these numerous fucking debates over some like lgbtq related thing and the interpreter mm-hmm. just refused to interpret what they said and they're like yeah, um, what you said is, I- I'm not interpreting that. Like, that's so vile. I'm not interpreting that. This is Avery from the future. Adam emailed me after we talked. Um, they emailed me a link to an article about what happened with the interpreter. And basically what the delegate said in Swahili was that saying that a homosexual person was created by God is like saying that God created me to live with animals. The translator did eventually translate it, but apologized while doing so. And of course, as Adam was sure to mention, this is not an issue of good affirming American Methodists versus homophobic African Methodists. There are plenty of homophobic Americans, just as there are plenty of affirming Africans. The Wesleyan Covenant Association feels perfectly fine with allying with those people. Like, they're perfectly comfortable with making, like, allyships with people who, if given the chance, would kill us. Like, and that really, that's what sends home to me what this is really about. Like, it's not about, like, abstract theology. It's not about, like, you hate us. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, the things are, things are going good. (laughs) I'm in the Methodist (laughs) church right now. Um, Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Working as an office manager during this is very interesting to um, mm. like a bit of a lighter note um, because I handle a lot of the church like bureaucracy stuff. And so like mm-hmm. I have like forms I have to turn in for the conference or like things like to update for them. Like I was updating like the church like leadership roster for like the annual conference. And I'm just I feel like I'm like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. And I'm like, yeah, this is really <laughs> cool that I'm doing this. And I'm like, is any of this going to exist in two weeks? Like, oh my God. Yeah. Everyone's just like going about like this is completely normal and nothing's happening. And it's just kind of like I don't I don't know how I want people to be acting, but this doesn't Mm -hmm. feel appropriate. (laughs) Yeah. The thing about like schism is 
the denomination breaking up is like you know it might be the most just way going forward but mm-hmm. it's not something that's kind of like you know i'm necessarily going to be like jumping up and down and celebrating because like you're losing yeah. connection with other people you're losing like you know your ability to do like really good work just as like being part right. of a large organization that can like you know manage funds and get like umcor like united Methodist community of relief is like we're like one of like the UMCOR is like one of the like first groups of like groups that like shows up like any natural disaster. Like there is like super huge mm-hmm. part of like disaster recovery for like the, the hurricanes we had or like tornadoes or earthquakes, like what have you. Like UMCOR is always there. And that's the thing mm-hmm. that would, would probably go away, you know, and also like all the churches that are going to get split apart and probably have to close their doors. Like, yeah. or all the people who might get, and these are like, you know, get, get, or like queer kids who are growing up in like, or, or even adults, like in um, yeah. like non-affirming churches, like you know, like they like even if like the one church plan passes, they don't have like that hope, and they especially don't have that hope when their church decides to leave the denomination, and that's like all of that's like just it's sad, it's it's it just is. genuinely sad, and even if it's like you know a better quote unquote outcome. Where like at least at least some churches get that kind of get the freedom that they to to, to be just towards LGBTQ plus people. Like mm-hmm. there's still so much that needs to be done. Like and so much like injustice that's still there. And then again, you just lose like the resources thing, and that's that's just mm-hmm. disappointing. And it's you know because it's happening mm-hmm. for no reason. And it was something that if we had better leadership that didn't just want to hide this under the rug and value unity above justice, like mm. we maybe could have stayed united and could have figured yeah. it out. And then, you know, this is what happens. Um, this is what yeah. happens when you ignore sin. <laughs> wow. Um, it, it festers and it causes harm and it leads to the ending of relationship and community and connection. Like, you know, that's what it does. That needs to be a sermon because that that'll <laughs> preach. That did, will did, preach. Did I mention I'm going into ordained ministry? <laughs> yes. I look forward to hearing how that goes for you because I think your voice is really needed. I'm currently yeah. one step away. If you want to go where I'm in the ordination process, um, uh-huh. so I got um, so my first process was going before like the pastor. Um, you go before your right. pastor. Then your pastor passes you on to your staff parish relations committee of the church you've been a member at. You have to be a member for a year. Um, and I've been at Rapaho for a while, so that's like no problem. Um, mm-hmm. And then they will send you to, um, it wasn't annual conference. It was, I think it's like district conference or something. Um, they send you to another like bureaucratic like meeting where it's yeah. like a bunch of people from other, like, you know, like other like churches and stuff are also there um and then they mm-hmm. sign off on you and then you go to the district superintendent um and once the district attendance group um signs off on you you become a certified what's called a certified candidate and after that you can be um you can get access to scholarships like all the fun stuff that like basically gives you the tools to like, go forward and be ordained um yeah and yeah. Like I got stuck at the certified candidate process because I am um, I'm in a relationship. Um, mm. Like 
that's that's where I got stuck. That was the particular district superintendent's interpretation, which like I'm salty about, but also I understand that to some extent her hands are tied because like, you know, if she loses her job, the person who's gonna replace her isn't gonna be more affirming anyways. And I know she wants no. to ordain yeah. like like I'm like she's like, I want to ordain you. Like you were clearly called to ministry, but mm-hmm. like look it, it, i mean there's like nothing i can do like um yeah. and, you know i think that's like bullshit when you like also force people into these kind of like you know this kind of like weird loyalty test kind of thing like yeah. that's awesome. like poor shit but yeah um, where they have to act against what they believe right and out of fear that's really sucky yeah and you know um Hope uh, she basically explained to me it's like I was like there's gonna be like a little bit of like a lead time if like the one church plan gets approved but like she's pretty confident that um our uh, annual conference would vote to ordain um like we we have enough progressive leaning churches in the delegation to um like kind of like win that vote basically um but um but there would still be like a lag time few months and so it's like my schedule is like a little accelerated because um which i wonder how that works out because she thinks she said it would be like the summer before like you know all that would have been squared away and it might happen at like annual conference where like this vote gets taken um which is again the, the sub-conference of like stupid messages <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but you know and yeah so that's kind of like just how all of that works um i think one of the cool things i know i have a lot of sides here because i'm very scatterbrained um but i remember i was really agonizing because you have to write up a call statement um and i was really agonizing about this and um like you know how much of like do like i put forward here because like knowing that i like there's a very good chance i'm gonna get stopped at some point in the process and mm-hmm. i go to the pastor at chapel hill the church i work at and go he you call me in for something else like to talk and I was like, you know, yeah, I'm working on my call statement. And I'm like, you know, kind of like figuring out like what what should I put in here? Kind of like hinting that like, hey, it's about like the queer stuff. Like, and he just yeah. looked at me, he just said, You put the truth. Like, you put the truth. Like, because, you know, if you don't, then they will know. Like, because, you know, your call and your identity are so tied up together yeah that like if you exclude all of that it doesn't make sense and it's not like you know it it it, it you you lose the impact of it like you know you can't lie your way can lie your way to the ordination process but you can't not to that extent like uh-huh. um but and that like you know really stuck with me like you know just kind of like you know and i think the thing about this is i don't know i don't know it's like i'm going to be in ministry like you know even if like the, the umc like implodes on itself even if like all of like my immediate church resources like go away like mm-hmm. you know that would not be great like don't get me wrong i don't want that to happen like you know mm-hmm. if that lord take away this cup from me please don't do that yeah. <laughs> kind of kind of deal but like you know i am called by god to be part of you be a ministry and Mm -hmm. that 
institutions can't stop that. Like, that's not a thing that's going to stop. Like, that's not going to stop happening just because, you know, like some random pastor somewhere says I shouldn't be doing it. And it's like, no, like, God says I should be doing it. Like, you don't, you don't get a choice. (laughs) Yes. You know, and I think that's what's, like, I don't know what that's going to, like, necessarily look like in the future. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. like, there's also, like, once the healing processes can begin, that something, like, beautiful can happen. I don't know what that looks like, but I have a lot of, you know, I've seen what, 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 like, you know, the Holy Spirit can do through me. I've seen that. And, and like, that's not knowing that's not going to go away is like the one thing that like provides me a lot of comfort right now is just like, you know, I, I, this, this is going to happen. Like come hell or high water, it's going to happen. That is so beautiful. Thank you. You know, I, 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 like, I honestly think like, maybe it's just because I've been through a lot of like bullshit, like, and you know, it's not like I don't have my doubts from time to time, but like, sure. Like, and obviously there's nothing wrong with doubts and there's nothing wrong with having mm-hmm. like, you know, a more tenuous connection to the faith. Like, mm-hmm. But like, I don't think like, I'm honestly at the point in my life where like, I don't think I could not believe like, just because I have seen the things that I've seen, at least for me, feel so divinely inspired. Like, you know, it, again, it's that Wesleyan experience thing. It's like, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you're seeing the the fruits of the spirit, and you're like, yeah, ignoring all the historical accuracies in the Bible, like you know, like this this is what I know that I can see this, like this is yeah. this is it. Like, I mean, and there also is a part of it that's like motivated by spite because when people tell me I can't do things, I go out of my way to do them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not necessarily I shouldn't because you know sometimes people tell me like you know, hey, you shouldn't. I don't know, like dump boiling water on your head and it's just kind of like yeah obviously shouldn't do that but it's like yeah. people tell me like no you can't be a minister because you're big queer and i'm like i'm gonna be like the most christiany christian that yes. you, know, you ever fucking see yes um i just like yeah. double down <laughs> spite um, can be a really powerful motivator <laughs> this has been the wonderfully cathartic conversation um yeah i'm glad to hear that So that wraps up this episode, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. It really was such a wonderful thing to get to sit with a real live Methodist to discuss what's going on with the UMC right now. I hope that all of you will join me in praying for the United Methodist Church as this general conference gets underway very shortly. After this episode, we'll be back on our normal schedule, so you can tune in, not this coming Sunday, but the one after that, and we'll be back to our every other week schedule. In the meantime, go break some binaries and bless the world with your life.